Welcome to the Burned Out Preacher Podcast, where we have frank discussions weekly on ministry struggles and how many of us in the ministry have gone from overwhelmed and exhausted to calm and equipped leaders who love being in ministry. I am your host, Monique Addison Stinson, Burnout Prevention Coach for Ministry Leaders. Are you ready to overcome burnout? If your answer is yes, then keep listening. So welcome back to the Burned Out Preacher Podcast. I am your host, Monique Addison Stinson, Burnout Prevention Coach, and we are continuing our conversation called, It's Time to Talk About Ministry Burnout. I have an amazing guest. Right before I hit record, he was preaching. I was like, let me get started because (laughs) he was throwing out some gems that all of you need to hear, but let me let him introduce himself. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, Monique. How are you doing? I am, um, it's a privilege and a pleasure to be your guest uh, today. I'm humbled by the invitation. My name is Donald D. Moore. Uh, Some people call me Reverend. Some people call me Reverend Doctor. I don't get hung up on titles. Um, I am the pastor of Mount Carmel Baptist Church, or let me correct that, because when I got called there, the member said, you are the pastor of the Mount Carmel. Baptist in West Philadelphia. Uh, I, I pastor an amazing church with a rich history. Uh, I inherited a great situation. I, I never pastored before now. Uh, I'm a native of Wilmington, North Carolina, you know, being from the South, pastoring in the North, uh, but I've lived in the North for quite some time, but I'm an associate minister to pastoring uh, the Mount Carmel Baptist Church. I inherited a great situation, uh, inherited 1,600 members, affordable housing, apartment complex, uh, the, the oldest viable uh, church-related or connected credit union in the city of Philadelphia. We are now 65 years old. We do max personal loans up to $12,000 for the members. Um, and so it's, it's, um, it's just a great situation. And the only thing I've been tasked with is to not mess it up. So, <laughs> so, so it's, uh, it's a privilege. It's a pleasure. It's oh a burden. It's a, uh, an opportunity. It's, it's, it's all of that. Um, and I've been the pastor there now uh, eight years. Uh, I left my hospital uh, as a clinical speech language pathologist in voice and swallowing disorders uh, where I treated patients. Uh, I've owned a private practice. So I left there, uh, started pastoring uh, after uh, completion of Mount Masters of Divinity. I don't want people to think you just get to, you know, willy nilly bounce around. Uh, I, I, I've been able to obtain uh, multiple degrees uh, to prepare me for where I am. Uh, and I try to use a lot of my background clinically uh, to pastor and lead, as well as uh, navigate ministry. We have nonprofits uh, in the beginning of a redevelopment uh, and community development project. So it, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of moving parts. Uh, but I would be remiss if I did not say uh, that I have great people around me. I have great people around me. Uh, and I, I let them do their job. I don't feel like I have to do everything. As you can see, uh, my sweatshirt, I wore this intentionally. I probably wear this uh, mental health club. Um, got it from uh, Neiman Marcus, by the way. I, I, I was surprised to see it there. Really? Uh, yeah, but okay. mental and uh, self-care uh, are near and dear to me. Uh, my dissertation um, in organizational leadership was looking at the church as an organization and if the pastor, the leader, the CEO, whatever term you want to uh, define or characterize them, if he or she, if they're stressed out, 
uh, how does that impact the organization? Not, not a, you know, not, not, so we have to look at the church as an organism. And if the, the leader is stressed out, burned out, how does that impact the organization? Thank uh, you. I intentionally uh, did not seek a D-men, um, although I have friends who have them, and, but my, my area is, is organizational structure. And when I started my doctoral program, I wasn't even in ministry. Uh, I was hearing, I was trending towards organizational and healthcare, uh, like healthcare administration. So I just put it all together and I try to maintain my sanity in the process. Oh my goodness. Where do I begin? That was, first of all, God bless you. So it's funny you mentioned organizational leadership because I was going to go back um, and get, so I got, um, so I work in human resources. Um, I was working in human resources and um, that's what my degree is in. I wanted to go back and uh, major in organizational leadership because, and I wanted to use that to help churches because I thought, man, this is a lot that needs to so much there's so, so many much. <laughs> uh, legalities yeah. and especially uh like i said i've been blessed and fortunate to be able to do ministry at a level that i never thought was going to be possible and i started at this level which is yeah, unheard. Say, your first church so uh, the the organizational background definitely does help right. uh systematic and intentional uh to have layers of leadership yeah. Uh, structure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have, uh, have a full-time staff minister, Dr. Willette Virgie Bryant. She is, she is, I don't have enough words in my vocabulary to describe how she is uh, to me. Then I have the world's best executive minister, uh, Reverend Kenneth Woodson, who, who has um, an MBA from the Wharton Business School from University of Penn oh. and give, uh, so, and let him do what he does, right? Um, and so I let them do what they do and they take some of the responsibility off of me in a lot of ways, some things I don't have to deal with. Um, they keep me accountable with maintaining healthy boundaries. So, so they're, they're helpful. Oh they're very- my gosh. Oh goodness. Again, I don't know where to begin because you have said so many things that I see 98.999% of the time is lacking. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really sad that that is lacking in our pastoral roles that pastors really believe. And I, I posted today on Facebook um, because it is clergy month. So there, there's this uh, quote going around with pastors, you know, working uh, forever and not taking time off and, you know, not spending time with their family and whoa, 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 you need to pray for you. I'm like, no, we don't have, that is not a requirement. No, it's not. It's, it's not at all. Um... How do you think we got here? Oh, I well, uh, we got here, uh, I believe, from trying to maintain false realities Great. that we have imposed culturally, right? We've imposed them culturally. And, I, and I'm going to be honest, I think they all started with with great intention. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they did. Yeah, but over I agree. Time, um, so my predecessor, the Reverend Dr. Albert F. Campbell, who I love, adore, esteem, and respect, to the 10th power. Uh, I completed my internship with him in seminary. Uh, and then we did kind of like a transitional uh, process um, some years after my internship, placing me in the seat as the, as the pastor. And uh, this church still went through their process, but there was a little bit more intentionality how it was done. 
And so our relationship is not the typical predecessor successor relationship. There's no competition. The church knows that um, we, 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 we affectionately say, uh, and the members will say, there go my two past, you know, he retired right. in 2013. Uh, I got called there in 2014 and we, uh, I mean, he, he's, he's my guy. I love that. I love that. The generation he represents, um, he's, he's, in, he's instilled in me so much, right? But one of the things he said to me that I will never forget, uh, he said, Donald, listen to me. He said, let the people help you. Yes. He said, it took me, he pastored 47 and a half years. He said, I didn't figure that out until 35 years in. Mm. And he'll, he'll tell you, and he has said public, you know, uh, I actually retired 10 years before I retired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, well, with that model, right, uh, I think most of the pastors of his generation, that many of our current pastors uh, are trying to live out, is they father the church, but try to pastor the home. Those roles are reversed, right? They, they, they so, so, so. Um, fathered the church, meaning that the emotional real estate, their commitment, their energy was given to the church. Um, and they gave what was left home, right? And so, uh, and the people, the people, they don't have problems with that because they benefit from it. Exactly. They benefit from it. Absolutely. So, um, and so I think we got here because, you know, be all things to all people, do all things. But I, I caution people, um, Jesus did not heal everyone. Right. Everyone in the region was not restored. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the text says, Jesus leaving the crowd behind. Yep. And even when he left the crowd and he had the 12, all 12 weren't as close as his select few. And so we, we, we have to get away from that model. But I think that's how we got here. That was your original point. We got here because we try to live out these false realities where you have to be all things to all people, right? Absolutely. Uh, and so I think over time, and what we've seen with burnout, um, mm. part of my dissertation was in, in pastors, as pastors try to live out this false reality. And I'm intentional about using the words false right. reality because it right. really doesn't exist. Right. Uh, I open up my dissertation, my defense with showing two successful pastors who committed suicide and they both were under 45 years old. Yeah. yeah. So, so if, if, so if ministry is successful, what does that really look like? How do we define successful ministry? If from the optics, it looks like all the pieces are working. It looks like, Everything is going well, but the stress and the weight of the world is on them in ways that nobody understood. Yeah. And so how do how do we move beyond uh, pastors killing themselves? Right. Right. Their health is disproportionately. Um, if, if you look at pastors and if you look at black pastors mm-hmm. and if you look at black male pastors. Right. Um, what my research showed was that female clergy are able to live a more integrated life yep. than male. And the reason I say integrated, I don't say balance. There's no such thing as work-life balance. There's it's no not. way to, so how well do we integrate these, these systems? And so, so yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I was looking for my stats, but the statistics, um, there was a study, I can't remember how many years ago, but the, the statistics are, are crazy in terms of, um, I know the one study I was looking at, it was, and I'm trying to find it now, it was, um, I think it was for African-American or AME pastors, and I'm a part of the AME church, and um, let me find it, the statistics were... I can't say shocking um, because we see it. Like we see the pastors being ill. We see them with all of these health conditions. So it wasn't shocking, but jarring. I guess I should say that, that it was to that proportion. So it said that um, this particular study, one was at the, or from the Schaefer Institute. Mm -hmm. um, And they said that 90% of pastors said that they were working 55 to 70 hours per week. Mm -hmm. And 50% of them felt unable to handle the demands of the job. But then we have, there was a study, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't say who did it, but it said it was a study of South Carolinian AME pastors. 93% of the pastors were overweight. 68% suffered from hypertension. Uh, 35% had two or more chronic conditions. 30% had high cholesterol. And 20% suffered from arthritis and diabetes. Right. And so that's just a sample population of AME. Right. So uh, similar to that study, uh, uh, they've completed several studies. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, more recent numbers, because I think the numbers you just said for the South Carolinians, uh, there was like uh, 68 percent of hypertension. So those numbers across the board. Right. Um, And I want to say that uh, the first study looked at almost 1800 pastors. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, 72% are obese uh, and some hypertension. Um, 80 some odd percent feel they don't have close friends, which leads to other issues, right? Um, the overweight, 72% of clergy only read their Bibles uh, for well, doing sermon preparation. Right. They don't have a personal devotional life. Uh, there's so many, and 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 um, the, the, the numbers don't lie, right? Right, numbers don't lie. Right. And so um, you know, you have pastors who are suffering from heart attacks. Now, conversely, right, those 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 numbers play out in other areas. So when you look at those numbers, um, there's a direct correlation between those numbers, right, and increased uh, alcohol and substance abuse because they try to self-medicate because they don't know how to do um, uh, 38, and this is going back a while. So I want to say it's about 41%, 41% of active clergy are divorced. Yeah. Um, 13% of active clergy have had uh, inappropriate relationship with congregation members. Yeah. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm not saying or making excuses. What I am saying is that because clergy have not figured out how to manage the issue, right? They, they self-medicate, they do all of these harmful things so they can continue to live out this, this facade, this, this, this optic of they have it all together. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, I'm Absolutely. proud with my congregation, you know, the congregation will tell you, oh yeah, no, no, pastor has a therapist. Yeah, no, he'll tell you up front, like, I, no, 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 pastor has a therapist. And I tell, I say, listen, I, I, I go to therapy so I don't cuss y'all out. Exactly. Um, I, I go to therapy. So when you all um, come to me, right, I need to be in a place where I can manage my own issues without having to take on yours. Um, exactly. 
I have a sign in my office. Your issues will not become my issues. Right. Your issues will become my prayer concerns. There's nothing in your life, and I'll be clear, nothing. I will do all I can to help members, but I'm not going to lose sleep for members. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to not live my life. Yes trying to live out theirs. I'm just not. And absolutely. Absolutely. But they also know that I, I love pastoring. I love Mount Carmel um, with everything that I have. I'm all in. And at the same time, I can be all in understanding that I am to a whole person who has needs, who has, you know, uh, the same stuff y'all deal with. I deal with. I don't get, um, I don't, you know, I don't get this bypass that I'm catching hell line of life because I'm the pastor. Tis the season to have a sale. Okay, I'll stop singing. Listen, I am having a Black Friday sale. This is my first one. I am super excited about it. And now... You can get half off any of my services, so my one-on-one coaching services, as well as select courses. So go to businesschurchlife.com and you'll see the Black Friday sale on my homepage. So you need to go now and you have until November 29th, 2022 at 12 a.m. So now is the perfect time to work with me one-on-one or to purchase courses that will teach you how to eat, to take care of your temple, as well as how to prevent and overcome burnout. So run, don't walk to businesschurchlife.com for my Black Friday sale today. Come on now. So, so no, I mean, yeah, Come I just got to, and, and pastor y'all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy you said that. And I'm so happy you said that because you are a pastor and I feel like other pastors need to hear pastors say that. I I rarely, I think out of all the guests I've had, yeah, you and one other pastor actually have clear boundaries and have communicated them is in therapy and, and acknowledged that you are a human being. You're a human being that has human feelings, just like the congregation. And I, you and one other person, yeah. you, I mean, that's, that's crazy. And, and let me say um, what I realized the first five years, and I hope pastors and people listening to your podcast, I hope they, I hope they hear when I say this, the first five years, I realized when I, uh, after I took the first time I took four straight weeks off prior to that, I would do a week here, week there, week here, week there. Right. Because that's how I did at the hospital. That was my vacation flow at the hospital. And when I took the four weeks off, um, I realized something. The church honored my boundaries. I didn't. Now, see, that's deep. I didn't. And so, and the reason why I say that is because yeah. I wrote this, a letter to the church saying, you know, listen, um, I'm, I'm taking four weeks off for the first time and I need to, yeah. I need to. Um, uh, there's several things that I have to address. Uh, I said, I'm tired. I'm tired. And um, I'm thanking you in advance for not reaching out to me. Um, I will be in contact with the following people as necessary. It was the chair of the trustee board, the chair of the deacon board, and my executive minister. Those three people, right? Um, If you're not one of these three, I'm not reaching out to you. Um, The 
you know, deaths going to come up, they're covered. Right. Um, and when I came back, I had, I, cause during the time I had, I had a life transition, yeah. right. I had a, a, a personal life transition. Um, and when I came back and I did that right going in, the pandemic had started. And so when I came back and several months later, when uh, I made an announcement to the church, it was like the light bulb was going off for so many members, right? They said, it makes sense now. I understand why you need it to go away. Yeah. I understand why you needed the break. Um, and then what surprised me was uh, our church members are more in tune with stuff than we give them credit. Exactly. Right? And so stuff that I was worried about, I didn't need to worry about. And they said, Pastor, are you taking care of yourself? Make sure you take care of yourself. That's right. And now I have members texting me, uh, I think you're doing a little too much. You need to slow down. Yeah. Um, after eulogize a member next week who was in church on the third Sunday of October, um, older member, and she, um, at the church, she said, Pastor, you, you were sweating too much up there. Mm. Now you take care of yourself. I'm worried about you. Right. And then two days later, she had a, a, a massive stroke. And, oh, but, but I have members who, who are genuinely concerned. Yeah. So we, we, we don't pastor the same church that the generation before us pastor. And I don't think we realize that. Exactly. <laughs> members are so in tune with things. And so they will take care of you, but you have to show them and let them know just like being in a relationship. Exactly. What you need and how you need to be cared for. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I'm so happy you said that, especially with the congregation. It, you know, the congregations now, it, you know, it's a more learned con congregation. You, you know, they they are, like you said, they're in tune. They have degrees that, you know, they they can see. They have a lot of knowledge. <laughs> um, we, we're I'm real big on mental health. Mm -hmm. and in a black church, right? I, I, I preach sermon series on it. Um, my first three years as pastor, I had four suicides. Oh my goodness. All black males under the age of 50. Oh. And so the first one demonstrated that we don't understand or uh, the church do doesn't address it um, enough. Okay. So I, uh, I brought in a partner with some of my members brought in counselors and therapists, given this, giving or providing the space for members to understand um, that mental health is important. It, it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, even the narrative of how we just describe it. I said, no, no, we, you, you're struggling with your mental wellness. You, you don't have a mental illness right. because, um, but I, I brought in, I have, I have the privilege of having a friend uh, Dr. R.G. Al, uh, Allen Wilson, uh, who was a uh, renowned uh, therapist on Good Morning America and all that stuff. She's a member at Enon uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church in Philadelphia with my friend, brother Alan Wallace, the pastor. Um, she and I have formed a really good uh, friendship, and I've brought her in to address mental health issues. Uh, and she also, she, she constantly talks to me about my own uh, mental health and, and maintaining it. So we have to be intentional. And I think if we have more pastors who embrace it yeah. and talk about it, yeah. um, what does it mean uh, to deal with suicide in the black church? Right. Um, what does it mean? How does it look 
to maintain Jesus of being a fence all around you. And you still might need medications to help the synapses connect for you to be okay. Yeah. So I think it's incumbent upon pastors to create that space, um, not just for the members, but for themselves. So, yeah, so true. I have spoken to so many pastors on here and many just don't know where to start. They're so deep in it that they don't even know where to start. Where would you tell your colleagues to start with creating boundaries? How, how would that conversation look and what should they, what should they do? Um, I think the first thing they would, uh, they need to look at a, a normal week, right? Yeah. And be honest. Yeah. It's almost like when you uh, are working with a financial advisor to achieve the goals you need to achieve, you have to be completely transparent and say, look, here's all the information on the table, right? And you have to be honest because if you're not, you're not going to see the outcomes or reach the goals. So I think they have to start off with evaluating their time, like really evaluate their time. Um, See if they're given more time to social media versus their devotion, right? Do they have a system in place to navigate their day? Um, And so, because, and not until they really look at where their time is going, will they be able to put in those boundaries? Um, And the boundaries have to be realistic. You know, you can't say, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, if you don't have a system in place. Um, One of the things I would suggest to them, I don't know for Droid users, but I know for Apple users, for iPhones, um, one of the things they can start off by doing is setting, um, right? So (laughs) Not Disturbed is on from 9 p.m., yeah. To 9 a.m. Yeah. Except for three, four people. Yeah. Right. None of those four people that can get through are connected to the church. Yeah. Um, so because here's the truth of the matter. If the house burns down, you might want to call the fire department before calling me. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh, and I say that not in a like distance way or or no, but it's the truth. It's right. The like, truth. Yeah. What, what, what uh, in most emergencies is the pastor going to do? Pray. That's about it. Right. <laughs> but even, right. Um, let's say someone died. You still might want to call the, the funeral home. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, there's several other calls. Yeah. That you need to make. Yeah. And if it happens in the middle of the night, the person is not going to be any less dead. Right. Than I am. And, and, and I hope your listeners hear me. I'm not, there's not needs. What I am saying is that between a certain time and a certain time, there's nothing you can do. Right. Exactly. Right? You can't bring them back to life. That happened no. with um, my father. When my father passed, he um, passed at, at home and it was in the middle of the night. And I didn't, we didn't call, well, I didn't call um, the pastor until maybe 10 or something in the morning. Right. On behalf of your pastor at that time, I I, I thank you on his behalf. Right. right? So, but but the thing is, we have to be more realistic about uh, managing our expectations because like expectations also help you maintain your boundaries. Right. What do you expect from me? What do you expect from me? Not not as the pastor, right? And I think we have to remove titles so so members can understand it. 
Uh, I shared with my deacon board uh, last Saturday. I am a human being with human feelings, emotions, all that good stuff, right? And so, and I, I shared, you know, I think sometimes the members forget that and I can't allow you to forget it because the minute they forget that, they won't respect your boundaries. Yeah. They won't respect what you're trying to do. And let me say this, it's harder to implement boundaries if people have been running rapid for so long. They're going to interpret your boundaries that you're putting in place to, to save yourself, to maintain your mental real estate, right? They're going to interpret it as, why are they trying to be funny? Why are they trying to be standoffish? Yeah. And uh, the stuff that they're going to oh, come there in their mind because it's inconvenience to them, right? Uh, but they'll be okay because here's the thing, right? So I'm an avid golfer. One of my boundaries, when I got, I said, listen, I'll, I'll answer the phone while I play golf. Absolutely. I said, I answer the phone for one person on this planet, the whole planet. I answer the phone for one person while I'm playing golf. Okay. Um, outside of that, you get a call, but you'll get a call back after, not after I play golf, but after I've played golf and I've enjoyed the, the 19th hole of fellowship. Um, <laughs> right. Um, and for my golfers out there, they understand the semantics of the, the 19th hole of fellowship uh, because they don't answer the phone if they're bowling. They don't answer the phone if they're playing uh, cards, if they go to the casino. They're, they're not going to stop what they're doing to answer my phone call. They're not. Absolutely not. It's been proven. <laughs> right. So for those people in clergy and ministry trying to... Um, implement boundaries. Start off by evaluating your time. Um, be realistic about where you can place those boundaries. Have an open conversation with your leaders, right? Because your leaders can help you maintain those boundaries. Absolutely. For example, my staff minister and executive minister have clearly defined roles in the life of the church. I've said publicly, if your issue is with XYZ, go to them. Don't come to me first, right? Because they can help you manage. They can help navigate. They can provide insight. They're equally gifted. Uh, they've been equally called. They're ordained. They love the Lord. They know Jesus. Um, and they understand the life of the church. Now, in order for that to work, we have to have a system in place. So I meet with them every other Tuesday. Every other Tuesday, 10 a.m., we have standing meetings. So we can all catch up, debrief what's going on in the life of the church. You have to have systems in place to have effective boundaries. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. So true. And I um, guess uh, several months ago, I was working with, I hate to say white church, but it was, it was church predominantly white folks and um, the pastors white. And they have that. Most of the, the ones that I've worked with, they have that. They have a team. They meet with their team. The pastor has time off. It's um, communicated, discussed, and planned throughout the year. Um, they have uh, Sundays where, um, you know, the pastor's just off and going on vacation and you do not talk to them. She or he has contacts that you will need to refer to when they are gone. Yeah. But I don't see that happening often in the Black church. And it's kind of like what you mentioned earlier. Now, I'm seeing it a little more now um, I'm, I'm 51. Um, and again, I'm not a lifelong, um, 
I didn't grow up in any National Baptist Convention. I didn't grow up uh, uh, in a denomination that, you know, had all of these formal structures and da 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 going to this convention, going to this conference, doing this, doing that. So I don't really subscribe to it. I, 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 I do make sure for those members who do that we maintain our relationships, uh, our associations and things of that nature for them to do it. Um, it's not that I don't, I, I respect their commitment to it, right? I'm not gonna not allow them to, to participate or any of that. Just know that's not what I do. Right. And I, 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 my background is so different. I, I, I share a little differently. And so to be 51 and see some other, more of the 50 and below pastors have a better grasp on taking time off, getting away, uh, unplugging, disconnecting, right? It's the 50 and older that I believe have the most trouble with trying to navigate that. Yeah, that's true. I, I will say I've, I've spoken to, so I'm 50. I just turned 50 this year and I did grow up in the AME church and it's bad. <laughs> oh yeah. It, it's really bad. Um, and we have, to your point, all I would say probably 98% of the bishops are in their 70s. Hey, ministry leader, do you feel overwhelmed and exhausted and you haven't had a break in years? Do you feel swamped and you feel like you're on the clock 24-7? What about your health? Has your health worsened since you entered the ministry? First, please know that you're not alone. The Schaefer Institute reported that 90% of pastors say they work 55 to 70 hours per week, and 50% of them feel unable to meet the demands of ministry. Secondly, there's help. You need to work with me. I'm a burnout prevention coach for ministry leaders, and I will teach you stress management and relaxation techniques that will help you go from overwhelmed and exhausted to feeling like a calm and equipped leader who actually loves being in ministry. All you have to do is go to businesschurchlife.com, then go to the Work With Me tab and complete the burnout prevention application to apply to work with me. Now, due to the nature of my training, I can only work with a few ministry leaders at a time. So go complete the application as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. There's no reason, <laughs> none. None. So my bridging pastor, uh, I, I was ordained through American Baptist Churches USA. So a national ordination uh, and their process was very intentional. So I had to complete psychological assessments and emotional readiness with psychiatrists and psychologists for three days in Boston. Um, and they had to generate a report stating that I was emotionally fit to enter pastoral ministry, okay? So part of that process, uh, I had a bridging pastor, Bob Santilli. I'll never forget him. Bob Santilli, we met for, 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 for lunch, right? Because uh, he was clear, 
five o'clock. He needed to be home, right? So we, we whenever we met, it was for, and it wasn't even for full lunch. It was just for like tea and like cake, okay? <laughs> and I'll never forget what he said. He said to me, see, Donald, listen, because at the time he was 61, 62, 62. He retired at 61. I was in my 30s. And this is what he said. He said, Donald, be done with this by 63 years old. Come on now. He said, be done. He said, make sure, he said, put a plan in place for by the time, by the time you're 63, you should be walking away. Oof. I'm not, I'm not getting down on anyone who's pastoring into their 70s and 80s. That's not what I'm doing. But what I am saying is this, my friend, my frat brother, great preacher, Reverend Dr. James Perkins out of Detroit, Michigan, preaches a sermon knowing when to give the benediction. You know what? <laughs> so I know when I'm giving the benediction to right. pastor. If if I still get preaching invitations, may God be praised. Right. Uh, if not, may God be praised. Absolutely. And what I do is I will still uh, adjunct, uh, teach anatomy and physiology, neuroanatomy, and play as much golf as I possibly can. And I will adjunct to support my golf addiction. Right. Uh, right. So, but you have to know when to give the benediction. Yes. Ooh, I don't know how effective you can be. You might think you're being effective. Now, see, that's the real question. Are you effective? Right, right. Uh, there's a reason NFL and NBA players traditionally don't play into their 40s. Right. It's just called outliers, right? You have some people who do. They don't do it well because even the GOAT, Tom Brady, is demonstrating publicly that what Mother Nature gives you, Father Tom takes away. Come on now. So you have to know when to give the benediction. The problem is most pastors, most clergy fail to plan. Now, see, that's the real problem. Yeah. So they don't take care. They, they, they burn themselves out in the process. And then when they get to the end of the road, uh, they don't have anything to show for. Uh, in a lot of cases, their families have been fragmented as hell because they mismanaged. And then they get to this supposed finish line and they don't even know how to cross it. Right. I, I don't even know. You know what? I feel like I need to send you an offering because that was a whole message. <laughs> that was a whole message. Thank you for saying that, sir. So I, I imagine you already have your plan in place. You're going to be chilling on the 19th hole. <laughs> Frequently. I love that. I love that. And thank you again for sharing that. I hope you have freed some of our listeners because it is a needed conversation. Um, before we, before I hit record, you were talking about using, um, I think you said Google voice. You have a Google voice number. So one of my boundaries is uh, I, I have, um, I'm, I'm not a pastor to carry two cell phones, right? No, you, you, what you need to do is make the people respect your boundaries and what i mean my make the and now honestly if well i'm on my phone right now i have over 300 members in my phone have way more than 300 members like i'll be very clear but i have in my phone that have access to this phone because i've had the same cell phone number i don't know for the past 20 plus odd years so when i was a student at mount carmel I developed relationships with the members when I was Donald, the student, right? right? So 
over the years, I developed more relationships, not knowing that one day I would end up pastoring the same congregation. But I can say very rarely has any of the members misused that accessibility. Okay. Rarely. Um, So I have a Google number that rings to my cell phone. It has this different voicemail setting, has different text messages, the whole nine yards. It's clearly a whole separate, and that number rings, but it typically goes straight to voicemail because that helps me manage things where I don't feel bombarded, right? where I don't see a lot of numbers on my text messages or cell phone or like missed call because studies have proven just seeing those numbers increase are overwhelming. Yeah. They so so I have the Google number to help manage accessibility, but also manage expectations. Right. And I'll say, you know, I I I I probably won't return your phone call or your like I'm not doing it like that. Right. I'm just, because if you do, you set the precedence that you're just sitting there waiting to respond. And that's not the case. I mean, that's, that's it's not the case. Right. And I hope, I hope and pray that your listeners hear me. I'm not saying be aloof. I'm not saying don't allow accessibility. What I am saying is that you need to manage it in a way that meets your needs. Exactly. Meets your needs. Uh, but having that separate phone number, one, it does give you that connectivity to the conversation. Uh, and it helps maintain, and in some cases, foster relationships. Yeah, It does. But again, you have to be responsible with managing that. And and I, I, I say it jokingly now, um, when I, some people, I say, oh, I'm, no, I'm gonna give you my actual cell number, right? Um, but even then I say, but it's still my cell number. Right. <laughs> so that I pay the bill on. Right. Right. Cell number that I had before I got here. I've only been pastor in eight. I've had the cell number for 22, 23 years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think clergy needs to, some people feel they need to have two phones. I can't. Yeah. Uh, but I think they could still have systems in place where people aren't using these as electronic and digital leashes to, right. you know. Yeah. So, um, oh. And and you have you have to commute to and not just members, but mo- like most pastors, they are involved in civic uh, engagement. There's um, certain things, and pastor in the city of Philadelphia, uh, which is in a constant flux of politicking. Yeah, you, you you have to also manage them as well because it's not just the church that will co-op your time. You know, there's uh, politicians. Well, we, I need for you to do no. No, you don't. You have to. No, I don't have to to do anything. Right. You know, be you, be your authentic self. So I I am a a hoodie, sneaker type guy. I have have Gucci's and red bottoms and blah, 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 blah. But day to day. Right. I might be in shorts with flip flops and a t-shirt. Come on now. And I have, and I have tattoos. Okay. So when they have these, uh, these public civic engagement breakfasts, First of all, it's too early in the morning, so I'm tired. The first time I showed up in a pair of shorts and a t-shirt or jeans and a like a hoodie. <laughs> How dare he? 
right? <laughs> but over time, they got used to it because I intentionally yeah. show myself everywhere I go. Right. right. I love that. <laughs> Setting boundaries, you have to be intentional. Taking care of your mental health, you have to be intentional because you have to do that for you. You have to show up. It's not about what people think because they're going to think what they think. Right. You still maintain your peace. They might not understand it, you still maintain your peace. Yeah. They may not like it, you still maintain your peace. And you have to maintain your peace at all costs. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I'm gonna have to send you an offering because <laughs> you're preaching. So, so I said, I said when we were off before we started recording, I, I'm in, I'm right now. I'm in North Carolina. Um, my mother uh, had some acute health challenges, so um, I got up Wednesday morning. I drove down 2:30 a.m., a six and a half hour drive from Jersey where I live to Raleigh, North Carolina, where my mom lives, and and, and a couple of my siblings. So fifth Sundays. This is something else pastors need to hear. Fifth Sundays, I reserve for associate ministers because I used to be an associate. So I know what it's like to need opportunities to preach. Right. Um, so this is a fifth Sunday coming up. Yeah. But the associate minister that was slated to preach was in a car accident and suffered a concussion. Oh, man. So I was like, ooh, all right. So I'm, I'm going to preach. But then my mom gets sick. Yeah. So that's as interrupted preaching prep, even if I revisit a sermon, which is what I was going to do, right. but even that requires preaching prep. Exactly. Um, and this is what it means to have the right people around. I let the chair of my deacon board inform him, chair of my trustee board inform them, right? Listen, this is where we are, blah, 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 blah. I inform the associates, you know, da, 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 da. Everyone's immediate response was first and foremost, make sure you're present, you know, be present for your mother. Right. Um, Everything up here is going to be fine. You, like, don't worry about that. All right. Um, the associates, the two executive minister, staff minister, listen, we'll, one of us will preach. And, I, and I've been fortunate, but like I said, if, if you all are not familiar with the Reverend Dr. Willette Bergey Bryant, y'all need to Google her. She, she, she's a, preach, a professor of homiletics. She can preach, will preach, and has preached, and will preach the, the hair off of Billy Goat. <laughs> um, so she's preaching on Sunday. And you have to have that because yeah. most pastors would feel, oh, I got to, I get, if I can yeah. just, I can, mm -mm -mm. my mom's good. Yeah. Right. And even though my plan is to be back for Sunday, I'm not preaching. I'm, I, I'm not preaching Sunday. Good. And you have to know that it's okay for you to navigate and manage your life. Yes. It's okay. And it, and and honestly, it's required if you want to have a life. Oh, listen, I saw you. Um, rest is not an expense; it's an investment. It's an investment. Yeah, it is an event. Oh, mm, 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 mm. I don't even know where. Like, I, I think I'm just done. Like, you have you have truly preached. <laughs> you have truly preached today, sir. It, it we we are at an hour, and I promise I was going to let you get out of here so you can be with your mom. But um, is there anything else you would like to leave for your colleague? I'm a, this is what I'm going to share, right? My pastor, now I'm a predecessor, my pastor, my pastor, the, the, the late Reverend Dr. Britt Armando Stargell died unexpectedly at 46 years old, pastored right at 20 years. It was a little over 19 years. And what I saw in that, I saw a congregation and members 
and this wasn't all the members, I'll be clear. They, they responded or acted as if he'd only been there one day, right? Not all. My predecessor passed at 47 and a half years. Both his sons passed. And I said all that to say this. I, I've, I've seen two give their all, right? And again, not all the members, but, uh, but enough. Mm-hmm. The way they responded in some instances, I'll be clear. Yeah. It confirmed for me, it, it, it validated, it sealed the deal that I am going to live my life now. Right. I'm going to live it, like they say, preach the gospel, the gospel simple, full, and free. Right. right? I'm going to live my life devoid. Now, I'm going to be very clear. I'm not going to go out and just do all kinds of ungodly stuff. No, no, no. Devoid of what people think, say, or do. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, if any of the listeners as pastors and clergy die today, within six months, they will be a memory. And I just hope that prior to you becoming a memory in the life of someone or the mind of someone, that you've lived your life, that you've enjoyed life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly, not restrictively, not begrudgingly, not struggling, not worrying. Enjoy your life. Set your boundaries. Manage your expectations. Mm. Maintain your peace. Put yourself first. Self-care is not selfish. Exactly. It is required. It is required. Absolutely. I pray your listeners are blessed by our time together. I'm just a country board from Wilmington, North Carolina. And so I hope I've said something that helps. You Oh, you did. You did. <laughs> you definitely did. Thank you so much, Dr. Pastor Donald. I mean, I am speechless. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Um, mcbcphilly.org. Um, MCBC Philly is our web, uh, website, um, our YouTube channel, our Facebook page. Um, I'm Pastor RDP9 on Instagram uh, and Twitter, but um, and I'm just Donald D. Moore on Facebook, just Donald D. Moore uh, on titles and stuff. Uh, my Perfect. mama, but my mama don't call me Donald, but I'm just <laughs> simple country. So I get it. I listen, like I said, you have truly preached. I appreciate you um, continuing to come on um, despite uh, what you have going on in your personal life. So I do appreciate you so much. And I am going to put links to all of that that you just mentioned um, in the description box, but thank you again. Um, thank you for having I, me. I am just speechless. So that is all today, everyone. Let me know what you think about this podcast. Please reach out to Pastor Donald as well. And that is all. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Burned Out Preacher Podcast. And make sure you are following me on Instagram. I'm at Burnout Coach Mo. And I would love, love, love to hear from you. So make sure you send me a DM and say hi. And let me know if this podcast has been helpful. Also, it would be very helpful if you would leave a five-star rating for this podcast, as it will really, really help 
other ministry leaders find this podcast so it can help them also. If you leave a rating, make sure you take a screenshot and send me a DM so I can personally thank you. Again, thank you for listening and I'll see you in the next episode.